As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yay Networks. Yo, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Cornelius. Yo, we have a dope episode planned for you today. Yo, before we even jump into that, I got to tell you about this. This year's marriage retreat is going to be lit. Yo, my wife and I, we've hosted marriage retreats for over a decade. And we're headed back to Mexico, all-inclusive resort, wonderful amenities. Yo, our sessions are dope. We have a great time. We're all about creating and having really, really dope experiences. We got a photographer set that's going to give every couple that, that, that picture perfect, you know, memory on the beach is going to be amazing. Vibrant service at the end. You know, this year's marriage retreat is August the 31st through September 4th. That's during Labor Day weekend. So, yo, you already going to have some time off anyway. Just come down and kick it with us in Mexico. No matter if you're a newlywed or you've been in this game for over 10, 20 years. Yo, we're going to have something for everybody every year. The couples always get blessed. So we did this last year. We've been doing this for decades. The only thing we've been missing, we've been missing you. So invest in your marriage this year. You can go to my website, CorneliusLindsay.com. You can get you can get in where you fit in. Just click the link. Make sure you register and make sure you pay your deposit you know, by, by Monday, yo, because if you don't, the rate could increase, yo. So we're going to jump into this episode right now. Y'all better buckle up because it's about to go down, about to be amazing. But go to my website, CorneliusLindsay.com, register for this retreat immediately before the spaces fill up. All right, y'all, let's get to it. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Cornelius. Welcome to another uh, episode of This Is Life with Heather and Cornelius. Unfortunately, you know, my wife, she's not with me today. Uh, but nonetheless, I have an amazing guest. I'm very excited to introduce to y'all. Very excited to, to really get to know myself. Hey, Chris Davis. Man, Chris, do you mind just introducing yourself to the people? Sure. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm Chris Davis, uh, life coach, founder of Lionheart, co-founder. Uh, co-founded with my wife, um, lover of people, man. I just love to see people thrive. And so that's what drives me. And everything that I do, the many different uh, places that I find myself, I'm usually trying to find a way to help somebody win, man. So that's probably the best wow. way to introduce myself, brother. Wow. Well, I, pre I really appreciate you uh, being here with me. Um, specifically, you know, wanted to have you on because today we're having a conversation about uh, father issues. Um specifically just a couple of different things that, that kind of come from that. I, I shared with, uh, I shared with our audience uh, a couple of weeks ago, or I guess a month or so ago about me finding out that the man who raised me was not my father. Uh -huh. And that um, my father was this other man who, you know, really knew who I was since I was a child. Uh, but it took 36 years for it to finally come out that he was that he was actually my dad. And now after meeting my dad, the complications of of that new relationship, trying to create a new family, all that kind of stuff, the rejection that I felt. So I've, I've shared that with them, but I wanted to have a deeper conversation with you about father issues and what that looks like. I know you have a very interesting story. Um that you were telling me about earlier, could you could you could you uh, share that with the share that with the people and also expound on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I'll kind of set it up like this. I think um, what I what I realized. So you know, a good friend of uh, a mutual friend of ours, um, uh, you know, and I have kind of a similar background in terms of being former football players. Um, and there's mm -hmm. something that I discovered some years ago that really kind of helped me frame fatherhood. Now I'll have to throw this in here. To give some uh, further context, I'm a father of three sons. My oldest son is Oof. 20, 26 now, right? And so, oh. 
background in football, um, played, you know, played, you know, a, a sport that I love, found out probably, um, you know, I would say mid early 30s that um, all of the passion that I put into playing football was really um, to get and I'm proud of you, son, from my father, biological dad. Father was military, um, spent a lot of time in Europe. Um, and, and so it's really it's really interesting when you discover that a lot of what has been driving you was based on some of the, the things that you needed from dad. Um, right. Dad has the ability to provide um, identity to, to his children, right? A lot of times, and what I discovered as a man is that I was looking for him to provide that clarity for me. I was always seeking an answer to who am I, right? Fathers provide that, right? So if it's your daughter or if it's your son, uh, we're looking for some validation and you know, speaking in and breathing in and providing identity to that thing. And so um, that was a revelation for me, like, wow, right? And so obviously as a father, it, it fueled the angle with which I engage my sons. And so I really spoke into their lives from this perspective of trying to call them who they are and let them grow into it, right? Um, and I think, you know, to, to, to that to that point, there was, um, you know, I was married at one point um, earlier in my life, man, and uh, the, the mother of my younger sons, and um, she didn't know her father when we met. And so I said, okay, we gotta do something about this because uh, we can't just let that be. There, there needs to be at least some connectivity. Um, and so didn't know her father for 30 years. And, um, you know, I made it my mission to try to find him, right? And, you know, what happened was, as God would have it, all the, the, the logistics aligned and was able to find him, was able to locate him, um, made an introduction. And I, I, I thought that it was going to provide, you know, kind of this fairy tale experience, you know, somebody a long lost, somebody you're looking to meet, and then you find them and, and it didn't go quite like I thought it would. Right. Right. What I wasn't aware of is the trauma that comes along with that kind of experience, because now you're left questioning, like, OK, wait a minute. Right. And then you have to you get the reset. You got to restart. Um, and it, it's challenging. I mean, I, I wasn't I wasn't even prepared for the trauma that comes with. Wait a minute. So what the heck was my life all about? Like now I got to I'm trying to figure out who am I now? This core foundational figure <laughs> in my life that has been pouring in. I thought it was based on this foundation and now my, my foundation is crumbled. Most of us who are on, uh, on homes, we, we know that uh, a crack in your foundation is, is not good. Right. right. And so right. as a man, when you take a shot there, uh, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And so it leaves you reeling to try to identify and find that identity. Um, right. And it was kind of similar in the sense that what you're saying that, you know, she she knew uh, she she had who the person she thought her father was, was not. And she thought that he rejected her. I spent a whole life um, trying to um, calibrate based on that and then found out who her real father was. And he was a great guy, really wanted to know her, had an inkling that she might have been his daughter, but. You know, the way that that, the, you know, their lives kind of unfolded, he didn't have access to her. Um, but when he found her and was introduced to her, he was all in. Um, that's not everybody's story. But again, right. you know, you would think that one would think that when you see something like that, that, you know, a person would be like, oh, you know, fully embracing. But that wasn't the case at all. And um, it shocked me. I was surprised. But then later, you know, as I kind of ponder on it, you know, because it, it really impacted our, our, our marriage. And uh, we eventually divorced not long after. Um, and, and I got blamed for it because it's kind of like, was it, was the blame because, because you helped her find her father it or was, was the blame, the aftermath and the trauma due to her finding her refining who her father was. Absolutely. I think, I think it was, it was the aftermath. It was because I was so gotcha. insistent and I remember she made, she made a statement. She said, um, I'm afraid that I'm going to hate my mother and I don't want to do that. <sighs> So what happened was this trauma, this, 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 this war, this wrestling match of not hating mom. So I got to, so I'm upset about the fact that I'm just now meeting this individual, 
don't want to put it on mom got to put it somewhere let's put it on the person who caused it who started it right mm -hmm. and so you, it's kind of displaced um and it's unfortunate you know because obviously that was not done with ill intent it was right. done to try to repair uh but again me sitting back being a little bit more mature now kind of learning from it in hindsight you know i have to give space for you know wow that's a that's a system shocker you right. know and um you know my whole life has been built on this reality and to find out you know kind of like the matrix like this is not real there's something else that is more real now i gotta restart and like how do i how do i do that that's a that's a jarring experience yeah it's interesting. You mentioned a couple of things at the very beginning. You talked about, you know, being a father to your boys and how fathers provide identity. And, you know, even for me, I, I felt like I knew I had an idea of who I was. Uh, but just like you mentioned that, you know, you played football and you just wanted to hear, I'm proud of your son or you did, you did good son. That's what I wanted to, that's what I wanted to hear. That's all I've ever wanted to hear. And unfortunately, you know, I didn't, I didn't have that growing up. Um, and I wrote extensively about that. Like I wrote a book called So You Want to Be a Man. And I, I have a chapter in there called, you know, present but silent. And it's about it's about, you know, my my stepdad now who was he was present, but he was silent. And I, I wanted that. So then it was like I, I got into this other thing that you mentioned. I got into the fairy tale after, you know, finding out, OK, this is who this is who my dad is. And now, you know, maybe I can figure out who I am. And even in the conversations that I had with him, I'm like, oh. So that's why that's why I'm I'm this way because I'm I'm starting to see roots now. Yeah. I'm starting to see things in him that I'm like, "Oh, now I begin to see that in me." Yeah. And now I see where it comes from. Yeah. But then it goes even further than that. That fairy tale has brought me to this point that I'm I'm seeking to really climb out of and really seeking to 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 get healed from because the fair as much as I did not want for the fairy tale to, to be the case, I'm quite sure, you know, your, your ex-wife was in the same place. As much as I didn't want the fairy tale to, to be the case, it became that. And I thought this was going to be my opportunity to finally, you know, know who he is. He can finally know who I am and that he's going to be proud of me and he's going to be excited for me. And then the disappointment that follows up behind that, the trauma that you mentioned that follows up behind that, and then now the rejection that I feel that I have to fight because like you, like you mentioned, you know, we want to put the blame somewhere. And unfortunately for, for somebody like me, I just say for my, for my case, I have the propensity to take the blame and put it back on me. Right. So I'm constantly asking the question, well, you know, why am I not good enough? Right. You know, why, why, why is, is it, is there something wrong with me? And then it goes, it goes, you know, even further beyond just my stepdad it goes further beyond just, you know, just, just my birth dad. It goes into also spiritual fathers, yes. you know, trying to wonder, well, you know, I, cause I've, 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 I mean, I feel like I've been fathered by every, every big name pastor out there. And it's just like, it's like, okay, at some point I'm really standing back and I'm, I'm trying to ask, I'm trying to answer the question. Okay. What's wrong with me? Why, why is it that, you know, I just, I feel like every, every older man that comes in my life just goes ghost. Or they don't. They don't communicate. They say they want to communicate, then they don't. Or why? I, 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 I'm, I'm having to deal with that sense of rejection. So it's very interesting that you, that your, that your ex-wife, you know, went through that, and then the trauma that kind of came before that. But I wanted to ask you this, because you mentioned with your sons, you are speaking identity into them. You're speaking life into them. What does that look like? And, and how important? Do you, how, how important is that to them? And the third question goes along with that is, do you see a change in them that maybe you didn't see in yourself when you were their age? Absolutely. You know, I so thought to, to, to answer your question, it's a great question. Um, you know, as, as a believer, as a Christian, um, I, I learned early that names matter. They mean something, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, one, one of the habits of Jesus was giving people a, a different name. So mm -hmm. this is your name. Okay, so I'm going to change it because your name is going to mean something. It's going to connect to your destiny, right? And so the naming of, uh, even the names, I was very intentional about naming them, right? But then when I spoke to them, because I realized the power of words and that I had the power to identify it, and, I'm, and I'll trace it back to, you know, early in, in the book of Genesis, man, it talks about the fact that, you know, before, you know, God promised Adam a, a suitable helper, 
And then he yep. said, then it, it says that God brought everything to Adam, the, the you know, these living things, and said for him to, to name it, to see what he would name them. Right. And then whatever its name would be, whatever he called it, that's what its name would be. And I was like, wow. Blew me away. Because okay, of course, this is God. Of course, he he has the uh, 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 the intellectual capacity to name something, right? But well, why did he bring it to him? Because he had the capacity to provide an identity for everything that he named. And I was yeah. like, wow. So all of us men are born with this, right? So if if I you know not to take a, the too too far of a tangent. So if I if I want to dismantle you know um, and really hinder you know youth. At a young age, you know, in, you know, create this deficit early. Then what I'll do is I'll silence men. I have Oosh. men not speaking, right? I'm not speaking identity. I'm not breathing that kind of life into you. So you don't have to wonder who you are as a young lady. You're beautiful. You're amazing. You're intelligent. You're, you know what I mean. And so she right. has to have to worry about that. Something else I learned is that, of course, you know, as a married man, um, you know, the first time your wife hears that she looks good that day should not be when she gets to work. It should be before she, it should be from us, right? Because we have the power to provide identity. There's security when, when they hear, oh, my daddy told me I was brilliant. My yeah. daddy told me I was strong. My daddy told me I was pretty. My daddy, you know what I mean? And so when you hear that, it, that I already have it set in my mind that that's what it is. So it doesn't really matter what you say because my daddy already told me. And so what I would do, for my boys is I would address them with terms that that spoke respect that that, that kind of presented a respectful kind of um, image. So I would call them, you know. So my last name is Davis. I would call them Mr. Davis, Mr. D, Mr. Davis. I need you to come on over here. Let's have a, let's have a conversation. Uh, hey, Mr. Davis. Now take a look at that room because what I want them to do is I want them to get used to being called Mr. Davis. Right? I love that. Seems interesting. But but it, I, I need you to get used to being respected, and and having a term or um, being identified with that. Um, I would also, um, what I would do is their names mean you know young king, champion, follower of the anointed one. So I'd always tell them, I remind them, you know what your name means, right? So you can grow into that. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, what they do is they walk more confidently. I remember trying to figure out who I was. And I wanted to make sure that they didn't have that same thing. I said, you know what? Uh, my oldest son, I, when I was playing ball in college, man, my oldest son was born while I was in college. One of the things I did is I said, you know what? This is my boy. You know, my father was gone. Uh, the majority of my life, what he's not going to wonder and worry about is what, where's dad, right? Right. So um, I'm playing ball. I'm going to school. My son is born. I bring him to school with me. So I was literally a single dad, you know, football player in the Big Ten, you know, getting my education. I was working, you know, that kind of thing. It was full time, right? Um, but I had to have him there because I said, you know what? I, there were a lot of things that I needed from my father, and I want to make sure that he gets it. I want to pour in. I want to dive in with him. I want to invest from 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 the beginning. And so, um, you know, the one thing that, that I wanted to make sure that I promised myself is the one thing that's his reality. He's, he never had to wonder where dad was. Now, um, I think for, for him and even for my little guys, those terms, the way that I approached them, had, put them in a position where they didn't have to question who they were. Like I told yeah. them, I got mine by a la carte. Right. You know what I mean? I had, I had a, a stepfather for about 30 years, about 28 years, and he passed away a few years back. Um, and he was like, you were saying silent, right? Um, I'm playing ball. I'm doing well in high school. He, he rarely came to my games, right? Um, my biological father was in Germany, so he never came to my games. So I'm always looking in the stands. I'm always looking to other folks to try to help provide identity, you know, help me figure this manhood thing out. Then, of course, I find myself in a situation where I got a son and I don't know the first thing about manhood. What am I supposed to do? And and, and but before before you keep going, because I, I was getting ready to ask you about about your fatherhood story. Before you keep going, I need to take a quick a quick break uh, to be able to uh, be able to present some. But and and then we'll we'll come right back. So I want you to keep your keep your thoughts on that. This show is sponsored by Better Help. 
hey, you know what? We all have those times in our life when we want to feel our best. We want to be our best. We want to do the things that we really enjoy doing. And sometimes life just gets in the way, which is why it is so important that you can have someone that you can talk with, you can speak with, who can help to, you know, give verbiage, add words, to be able to explain, you know, why you feel the way you do. And no matter what you're going through, therapy for me, has been absolutely amazing because whether whether it is insomnia, whether it's social issues, whether it's uh, parenting issues, I mean, you guys have heard me talk about myself with my father. I mean, being able to speak with a therapist, a licensed therapist, has been so important to my growth and my overall emotional maturity. You want somebody to do that. And plus, you want to feel like yourself again. And there's so many people who don't feel like themselves, but you don't know what else to do. And I'm telling you, BetterHelp is the best option for you. So if you're thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. So you don't have to worry about going to sit down in some room and everybody is looking at you and you having to sign in and everybody's thinking like, what kind of problems this person got? It's all online. So you don't got to worry about all of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And here's the great thing. If the therapist you get matched with is not someone you like, you can switch at any time. And also, financial aid is available. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lindsay's today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Lindsay's, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-S. Again, that is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Lindsay's, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-S. You're getting 10% off your first month, 10% off your first month. Take advantage of this offer. Do this for you because you deserve it. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Lindsay's, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-S. Okay, we're back. So now you're 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 going into this into this story about about your fatherhood because about your father's story, and that that was going to be the next thing I was going to ask you. So I'm so glad you already segue into it. So pick up right from where you left off, bro. Yeah. So so you know, a lot of ways, man. Um, I'm it, the the being a dad forced me to find answers to fatherhood questions. I'm finding, okay, you know, I have to define, first of all, what is a man? What is a good man? I want to be a good man. Then again, I want to raise a son that's not the problem child in class. So what do I need to give him? I didn't have the first clue, right? I just knew, look, you know, get in college, play ball, get to the league, make some money, take care of mama. You know what I mean? Just the basic structural stuff, right? None of the meat, none of the nuances. And so it left me with a lot of questions that, you know, I, I needed to find the answers to. I was blessed with with uh, one of the coaches at the time, uh, really kind of mentored and discipled me, man, uh, but helped me answer a lot of those questions. And so what it did was it kind of positioned me to figure out, okay, what what is a man? What do, what do, what do real men do? What do good men do? And then that's what I want to raise my son to be. Right. Um, and, and it also helped me because as a believer, as a Christian, man, I'm trying to figure out my relationship with God at that point. Right. And so I really understood it from a completely different perspective. Um, God as a father by being a father. Yeah. How, how do you how do you love? You know what I mean? How do you care for? How do you guide? And so by 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 being able to see that from that perspective and then really having kind of, you know, growing up with my son growing into it um it really helped me to understand that a lot of times man guys men are are they they are wounded they're they're searching for an answer to a question so i read this book it was called a wild at heart one time and it had one john elkridge yeah love that book man but that major question do i have what it takes man that that thing permeates every area of your life and so men are in a lot of ways trying to find an answer to this um, and even as fathers, you know, you look and say, man, did I give what, you know, give him what he needed? Um, and then on the other side, it was my lack that fueled who the father that I became, you know? So uh, my biological father wasn't very involved, um, didn't really even know his side of the family. I remember have some memories, you know, 
of him when I um, when I was young that they separated. My parents divorced and separated. Um, and so what I had to do, I figured out. I said, you know what? I gotta forgive my dad. I I'm carrying a burden. I began writing a book, man, called "Boys Are Not Born Broken." Mm. I became an educator out of college, man, and really saw that the younger boys were really needing something. So I became, you know, you know, most of us wear multiple hats. So I was a coach. I was a teacher. Um, and I noticed that my players or my students, they needed a father figure. They needed someone to, to invest in them from that perspective. They need a father's love because they didn't know what that looked like. And so I found myself with that hat on, loving them like a father would be, obviously, because I had a son at the time. And so I knew what they needed. And so what I found, too, was that um, as I'm writing this book, Boys Are Not Born Broken, some of it was was derived from my experience as an educator and like, you know what, these boys are being treated in a way that's different than how they learn. Um, but then I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I've reached a point where I can't go no further without having a conversation with my dad. My dad was in Germany at the time. So went over and spent about five months in Germany. Um, and with the express intent to tell my father to his face that I forgive him. Mm, you know, one of the things I learned, again, because I was gathering these, what is a real man, what do real men do, a la carte from a lot of different guys um, that I kind of respected or admired. Um, one of the things is you, you, when, you are, when you're a man, you speak face to face. If you got something you need to say to someone, you say it to their face. You look them in the eye and you tell them, you know, with respect. Um, and so that's what I did. And I was able to tell my father to his face, hey, man, listen, I forgive you. You know, all the time we missed, let's just start fresh now. Now, again, what I didn't lo- learn learn until really doing that, spending some time with him, getting to know him, is that he has trauma that yeah. he needs to heal from, right? And so me, I'm forgiving him so we can kind of maybe start to build a relationship not knowing that, he has to forgive himself for not being there and whatever opportunities he had that he didn't take advantage of there's that, you know, there's some work that he has to do on his side. And so what I found myself being able to do, man, is it, it, my fatherhood story fueled my passion for helping men heal. Yeah. Right. There are some dads, who are not able to engage on the level that they would love to engage with their children for, you know, other reasons, all kinds of different things, you know, the relationship with the, with the, with the mother or, you know, all kinds of different things. Um, But not every scenario is a dad who does not want to engage. There are a number of folks that do, Uh, you know, I I have, uh, you know, a number of friends who are navigating that space, but what it did was it drove me, to just better and understand on a deeper level that guys, um, they, there's some brokenness that we carry. There's right. some questions that we need answered. Um, right. So we experience trauma, man, that shake us to a core. Where's the safe space to kind of work through that, right? Yeah. And sometimes it takes somebody who understands, who's been there, who understands it from that perspective. So I kind of have a both and, you know what I mean? I, I noticed like to grow up with a man for about 30 years of my life who was present geographically and proximity wise, but was not present emotionally. There was no emotional, you know, uh, growth and guidance and, you know, um, molding there. Um, we rarely talked about feelings. I knew I had them, but I didn't know who to talk with them, uh, 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 talk with about that. Right. You hear women, you know, kind of giving some insight in terms of that, but who can speak to, a man about how a man feels than a man. Right. And so a lot of, again, what I needed, I got it. I gleaned it. I kind of a la carte kind of put it all together. I was like, okay, so here's what this thing looks like. Now I got to find a way not only to give it to my sons to make sure they don't have the same deficits that I came into the game with, but then to try to provide that for other men as well. Well, Mr. Davis, I think that's amazing. <laughs> I, I really do, bro. I, I I mean, everything that you just said is is so on point. Um, I, 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 I applaud you. I, I think, I don't think, I know we need more laborers in the field who are really, you know, interested in being able, you know, to assist and to help men. Um, you know, it, 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 
it does something for me to even know that that's something that, you know, you're doing right now with men, you know, is I, I mean, I, I pastored for 10 years. I pastored for 10 years. You know, I went through the depression, the suicidal thoughts, all those different things. And, you know, now I'm kind of on the other side of it, looking to plant a church here in LA, but I'm going to do it a lot differently. But now I, I but now, you know, I'm, I kind of, I'm, I kind of coach, you know, a lot of these other pastors and, you know, professional athletes and all these other, these other men who are so broken, as you mentioned, they are so broken. They weren't born that way, as you mentioned, but they are broken and they have these father issues. I remember sitting around a table. I host these retreats uh, quarterly. And uh, I remember sitting around at a table, one of the first retreats I went to in Montana. And, you know, unfortunately I was one of the only black guys, one of the only men of color that was sitting around the table. And I remember just going, I remember they were going around and I remember they were, you know, these, these guys, they were talking about how, you know, they're, they've, everything's going great in their life, you know, and, and a couple of them mentioned their father, like, yeah, you know, my father, I had a great conversation with him. I'm so glad I can go to my father and get wisdom. I'm so glad I can do this. And I remember sitting at that table with every man who was talking as happy as I wanted to be for them. I was getting pissed off because yeah. I'm like, there's no way that you understand my issue. So then, you know, it came my turn and, you know, this is an authentic place. I love the table I go to in Montana. But then when I got ready to share, I remember I shared something and then, you know, it kind of just went around the table. And then a guy, a pastor came up to me afterwards and he's like, you know, he's like, well, I don't understand it. You know, he said, you got to snap out of it. And, and, you know, you just got to keep moving. And, I, and, and, and here's the thing. I, I feel like my whole life was all about snapping out of it and just keep moving and don't worry about it and all this. But then I looked at this guy and, I, and I'm looking at him, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you don't have a clue <laughs> what I'm talking about. Like, you don't have a clue when I talk about the brokenness. When I'm talking about, you know, my depression, which now, after meeting my dad, I question whether or not I was really depressed at that time or whether or not I was in deprivation because I felt deprived. Yeah. I didn't I didn't have identity, bro. Like, you right. mentioned, I didn't have identity. I didn't have affirmation. I, don't, I didn't feel like I was accepted. I felt rejected. So everything that I did... Every achievement that I, I had, self-publishing 12 books in six years. Everybody's like, well, why would you do that? Because I just, I wanted, I, when one of the books came out, I didn't even care about the book when it came out. I got books out there now. I don't, I don't do anything to them because it wasn't even about writing a freaking book. I didn't care if I made a dollar off of the book. All I wanted was for my dad to look at me and say, boy, you did it again. Look at you, man. I'm so proud of you. You got it going. So I, I lived my life with all of these deficits. And I feel like there are so many men out there right now who are living their life. They're leading other people, pastoring other people, you know, uh, I mean, they're, they're influencers for other people. Think about, you know, the guys who, who you played, you played sports with the guys who play sports. Now they're, they're influencing other people, but they don't have a clue who they are. And that, that fatherlessness and the silence within the community, you know, specifically, I know for black and brown men is absolutely huge. And it's as if we're not doing anything about it. I, I reached out to a company because like I said, I host these retreats and I reached out for sponsorship and I'm not going to mention the name of the company. But I reached out to him and I said, Hey, you know, um, this is what I'm doing. I sent them over my sponsorship packet. I said, Hey, could you just sponsor some of these men? That's it. Here's the cost for them to attend because a lot of these men don't have the funds to be able to, to eke out the money to be able to go on the retreat. Could you just sponsor them? And I got all the way to a third, a third phone call with somebody else in the company. And this lady got on the phone and she said, Hey, I'm just going to be honest with you. She said, this is not the year of the black man. She said, I understand what you're trying to do for men. She's like, but this is not the year of the man. She was like, right now, uh, money is being allocated for women. She was like, we, we, right now, we're trying to uplift black women. She's like, listen, this is completely off the record. She was like, but I, I'm telling you, it's going to be extremely difficult for you to be able to find someone who's going to be willing to fund this. Because she said, you know, I feel like men have always had something. And I, and I went back and I'm like, but what do we have? <laughs> Every magazine. Yeah. It's on, that's on the shelves is talking yeah. about women. And then yeah. it's, it's written about, you know, the woman finding a good man that's written by a woman yeah. or yeah. written by a man who ain't doing nothing but trying to appease women. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, what, 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 what spaces do we have? The military? 
So we can just go get drunk all day long? What spaces do we have? Professional uh, professional sports so that yeah. we can dive, we can have our identity to be derived from our achievement and, and from our accolades? Like, what, what, what do we have? The gym? So right. I can go and just participate in vanity? Like, right. what, what, what space do I have? Women have retreats. They get the conferences. They get... They got they got the the little book club they go to. <laughs> Man, what, what are we supposed to do? Go hunting? I don't want to go hunting. <laughs> I don't want to go right. hunting. I, I had right. guys like, yeah, they start a hunting a hunting retreat club, and I'm looking myself like, I don't want to go out there hunting no bear with you. Plus, right. I don't trust you with a gun. I don't right. know well. you. <laughs> I'm a black man. I'm a black man here with four white dudes. Now come, I'm come up missing, and all of a sudden you gonna say it's a problem? Yeah, I'm just like, right. I could be honest. Like, where what spaces do we have? Yeah. So, bro. Yeah. It's so dope that you're even in this space, you know, leading and and providing this and providing this for men. I know something that, that Jay mentioned when he introduced us. He mentioned this, and I'm, I want you to expound on it. Before you expound on it, we're going to go to a break. But I want you to expound on the fact of you having this Abrahamic heart oh. and the importance that is needed. Because, brother, let me tell you this. Even when it, I mean, now we got spiritual fathers, bro. Who are 26 this is this is the this is the tomfoolery that we got yeah the spiritual fathers who are 26 years old i mean it's like where where are where, where's big papa yeah where is papa where yeah. is grandpa where i mean they they they, they all died in silence mm. so now we got big mama we got aunties we got we got you know grandmama and now they're still alive they're still pouring out information they're still giving out wisdom and all the old men are just silent. You look at look at the older preachers nowadays. Yeah. What are they leaving behind? Yeah. They're not even trying to, they're not even trying to give up the pulpit. Nope. They're still they're still trying to preach. They're still trying to be relevant. In their older years, they're not even trying to give wisdom or even oh. stage or even even resources for the younger, for the younger guys. It's oh. it, it's it's still about them. So we're gonna we're gonna go to a quick break, real quick. We're gonna come right back. And after we come back, I want you to go in on that on that uh you know having that um that um abrahamic heart so let's take a quick uh, a quick commercial break real quick be right back so everybody you know as as a parent i have three kids and it is so important that i take care of my kids because i don't know what's going to happen in the future and i know we all try to predict the future and believe that everything's going to be okay but we in the back of my mind as a father as a parent i want to make sure that i'm i'm making sure i'm taking care of my kids and i want to make sure that i take care of them and ensure their future with the proper life insurance so if you need a new year's resolution idea here i got one for you make sure you and your family are insured and do it today Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. You know how important life insurance is to me. I mean, it's so important. I went and got my own license. That's how important it is. Life insurance can have a bad rap for being complicated, but Fabric makes it uh, easy to apply with a seamless digital experience. It's all online and on your time. If you need extra support, Fabric's team of licensed insurance agents can answer questions along the way. It takes less than 10 minutes to apply, see your quote, and then personalize your quote to fit your family's needs. You could be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Now, keyword there, could. So protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash this is life. That's meetfabric.com slash this is life. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash this is life. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Meetfabric.com slash this is life. Uh, so, yeah, man, if you could expound upon the importance of that of that uh, Abrahamic heart, how we need to have it, yeah. and then also include in, in that as well, for the men who are listening to this, who are like, man, this is touching me because I feel like I'm lost. What are they supposed to do? And then if you could, for the women out there who are listening to this, who goes to bed every night with a man who doesn't know who he is. Yeah. Or has she got two boys that she's trying to raise by herself 
and she doesn't have that capacity to be able to tell them who they are because in my house, yeah. my voice carries a lot more weight. Or I'll say this, it carries a different kind of weight than my yeah. wife's. My yeah. wife can say something, but when I say it, the whole house changes. Mm -hmm. So speak speak to those things, the, um, the uh, Abrahamic heart, you know, what can men do? And then also for the women who are listening, what are some of the things they can do? Take it away. Okay, cool. So um, I'm going to circle back to something I was mentioning earlier. As a, So I was an elementary school teacher, right? And I was coaching like high school ball, that kind of thing. And as I was saying, you know, part of what I saw was the need, right? And it kind of um, grew from there in terms of, um, you know, finding an answer and pouring into young men the answer to the question, of, do you have what it takes? You absolutely do. So that's number one. I love that. It's, to pour in, you have what it takes. Somebody told me this a long time ago that every person, but especially men, need three things, right? They need to hear three things. They need to hear, I love you mm. from someone who means it. Mm. Not with conditions. As Jay would, Jay would say, you know, not because of how you perform, because of what you can do for me, but just I love you because of who you are. Mm. First, from a human standpoint, you deserve it. You are deserving of love, right? Not no matter how you provide or protect or, you know, all that stuff that society or culture puts on you, identifies you as, right? Because you end up, you, if you fall into this cultural, uh, you know, kind of uh, picture, this representative, the culture does not see you as a man, as a human, it sees you as a performer, a, you know, as a servant. Right. You don't get to feel you got to go to work and you got to provide for your family. You got to make sure they got a roof over their head. You got to make sure the car has gas in it. You got to make sure the tires got air in it. You got to make sure the oil is changed. You got to make sure we got food. You got to make sure the kids can go to school. Right. Right. But but what about burnout? <sighs> right. Uh, you know, hey, you know, so the here's the trick bag. You're doing all this, you know, to provide for everybody, make sure everybody's good. Well, what if, what if you wake up and you're not OK? Who, who do you talk to about that, right? Uh, or, you know, hey, you're gone all the time. You're not even here to help. But, okay, I can't do both. I think T.D. Jake said so he had a sermon that he preached a while back that he was talking about, hey, man, listen, if he's a hard worker, he ain't going to be at home. If he's at home all the time, he ain't going to be able to <laughs> get the benefit of, of the hard work, right? And so, you know, you have this trick bag. If I can't, you know, I'm vacillating between the two, wearing myself out, and you wonder why people reach this breaking point where they're like, I, I just can't do it. I need to check out. Of, of the rat race. I'm done. I, I can't do it anymore, right? Now, the challenge is that you're, you're, you're sustaining all while you're trying to do this. You're sustaining wounds. You're sustaining blows, mm. right? One of the things that we know from a biblical standpoint, like when you have armor, right? Uh, in those times, man, the armor was tied in the back, right? So you had to have somebody that you trusted, right, to be able to help you put your armor on and help you take your armor off. What men need most is a safe space to take your armor off with some people you can trust behind your back. Behind your back. <laughs> that right there is important. Go ahead. Right? That you're not going <laughs> to stick a knife in, in my most vulnerable you know, place, right? Because I can't, I can't protect myself back. I can't see. You see what I'm saying? So you need a Jonathan type of individual that loves you enough, loves you, like not your persona. You know, but you as a person, you as a brother say, hey, man, listen, I don't care. Listen, if you mess up, okay, we're going to walk through that. I'm not going to let you, you know, let's walk through that. I'm not going to throw you away. Because what happens in society is that you know, men get thrown away. You know, yeah, it's man. like, you know, hey, I, I will get another one. You know, so there's there's a value conversation that we got to have, right? So as I was saying, as I was tracing it all the way back in terms of, you know, the elementary school space, I learned um, – an interesting lesson. Um, I would I, I was surrounded by female teachers, and the the young men in my class they were always great. They were like, I don't know how how do you get those boys to behave? Okay, here we how go. You get them to behave. I said, listen. I mean, when I talk to these young boys, I talk to them like I wanted somebody to talk to me when I was a little boy. I don't want to be spoke. Right. I don't want to be talked at. I want to be talked with. You know, so I talk with them like, hey, whatever comes out of your mouth has value. Your perspective, your thought, your, you know, your idea, um, your philosophy, it has value. And now I mean, it may need some guiding, it may need some nurturing, it may need some, some massaging or some molding, but it still has value. And so when I would talk with them, I would talk with them. And oftentimes I would get on a knee, 
You know, I'm six, three and a half. I had to get on the knee. I was a big guy. Uh, get on the knee and talk with them on their level. And it right. did something when they felt like, wow, okay, you know, th- this conversation, I have value in this conversation. There was a study, man, that basically said that it, from an educational standpoint, the way the system is set up, it treats boys like defective girls. And I was like, whoa, wait a hold minute. Up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Say it again. So the system is set up. Because of the way that boys are wired in the educational system, boys are treated like defective girls. And I'll, I'll explain. So, so basically, boys are, by and large, kinesthetic learners. Let me do. Let me put my hands on that thing a lot of times, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're teaching me this thing. And so I, I can't go. I need to move around. Boys are generally balls of energy, right? You got to right. think about testosterone. You got all that stuff pumping in your system. As you get older, you have more and more and more of this testosterone pumping in your system. You're about to explode. You need to do something. Let me move around a little bit, right? Um, now, girls are, you know, by and large, able to kind of sit quietly, read a book, you know, gather together, engage each other in a certain way. They're more talkative. Right, boys, we need to move around. We need to be like chopping some wood, throwing a ball. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Something. You know what I mean? Even listen, yeah. even the you know because I was a I was a former programmer, man. You know what I mean? IT guy. Even the IT guys need to. You know what I mean? It's got yeah. to be some jostling around. It's the thing that we got to do. Um, but I think the misconception is that boys or men, for that matter, don't have anything to say, and they do. They think they have a lot of thoughts about a lot of things. Um, but but in, in that space, and so we're growing up in a play in a place for you know first grade to twelfth grade that in a lot of ways tells me that who I am, my natural tendencies is wrong. Oh my god! Right, and so how do I recalibrate when you keep telling me that how I feel is wrong? ADD. Again, I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Oh yeah, ADD. Yeah, you need to sit down. You know, you know, he's he's all over the place. Well, guess what? A lot of how I'm wired is to, you know, this is what I do. So here's the thing. So you tell me for 12 years and then, you know, in school and home, you know, quiet all that down and move and be quiet and go. And then what happens is then later on, you ain't pick it back up and start. <laughs> or, or you tell me I'm a former football player. Hey, man, suck it up and walk it off, man. You know, don't feel. You teach mm-hmm. me not to feel. Mm-hmm. And then when I get into the real world and start to look at relationships, then you tell me all of a sudden now I got to feel now. But here's the thing. Not only do I feel, but I got to be proficient at it. I have to have some polish. But I stopped growing at four. Oh, I'm going to throw this microphone at you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so so what I would say is is, is that we need understanding. Mm. Right? Understand the kind of environment that told me I was bad. Right? Again, listen, I was a single father. I was, you know, my son was at college with me, bro. Like, I had him the whole time. I had sole custody. But I, every Father's Day message was everybody's that's not doing what they need to do. I'm like, wait a minute, but I am. <laughs> I know a lot of guys who love, you know, here's the thing. I mean, again, this is another tangent. I'm just dropping in for free. There are a lot of guys, as I was saying earlier, who want their kids more, but the, the child's mother is still trying to, hurt him for whatever happened in their relationship. The relationship may have only lasted a couple of years, but you got to pay for 18 for two years worth of, you know what I mean? Let the punishment fit the crime. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave that alone. And then, um, and then, and then when he gets older and then he starts, he, he has anger issues and he yeah. starts punching holes in the wall and knocking the door off the hook. And then now yeah. all of a sudden you need to come get your son. Yeah. You need to come get him. I can't yeah. control him anymore. Yeah. But you come kept on. me from him. From the time that he was, from the time that he was five to the time that he was, you know, sixteen. So now he's interested in gangs and drugs and sex and everything else because he has no. Oh, bro, you come on. <laughs> listen, we we all need community, right? So we, you know, I, I learned. You know, I'm playing ball. I'm playing football. I'm beating myself up. You know what I mean? Because what, man? When I get with my guys, they love me for me. You know what I mean? We stick together. We take up for each other. We, we move as a pack. It's community. We all need community, right? But if, I, if, if you keep feeding me this toxicity of I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. You know, me, the things that I'm naturally, that I have a natural tendency because you don't understand what it's like to have the kind of testosterone pumping through your veins like I do, like men do. We have a tendency where right? there's a thing, you know, there's something that happens for us. We see the world from a different vantage point, right? 
And so, yeah, I have feelings. Here's something else. I'm just going to I'm gonna throw this in too, man. Read a book by, um, I think it's Michael Gurry, and it's called What Is He Thinking? Or What Can mm-hmm. He Be Thinking? I think something like that. Here's what, the, here's what he said. He's, he basically alluded to the fact that our brains are wired differently, right? Right. He said that um, in your brain, the neuroscience, when a man is emotionally charged, then that the blood flows to the, the part of his brain that is responsible for motor function, movement, right? So when he's angry, the blood flows to movement. For women, it flows the opposite direction. It flows to the, the area of the brain that is responsible for communication. Oof. So what, what, what are we learning here? <laughs> so when I'm angry, I'm going to talk less and be more physical. When she's angry, she's going to talk more, right? So what she's wanting, when she's physically, when she's emotionally charged, she's going to want you to talk more, but just the way your brain works, I'm quiet. I'm off to the, you see what I'm saying? I'm Why, why am I punching a hole in the wall? You, you see what I'm saying? Like, wh- why is that? And so what happens is she goes and finds her girlfriends and does what? Does a whole bunch of talking. <laughs> right? And what you. do we want to do? I want to go to the gym. I want to punch a hole. I want to, you know what I mean? Or, so act, listen, yep, you're right. You know, or for, yep. for, for some guys, you know, maybe they want to be, be physically intimate to get out. You, you see what I'm saying? I don't yep. want to talk. I just want to, I just want to do. Yeah. Okay. Because of how the, how the, you know, just how the new neurology, man, you see what I'm saying? So, yep. Just to understand that I'm different and I'm not bad because I'm different. Right. You know what I mean? And so my brain works differently. So, hey, sister, if he's angry, create a space for him to do something physically. Take a walk, go run, whatever the case may be. So a mom of a younger boy. Here's another thing. Men are wired for praise. Mm. Why do you think athletes play better at home? Because everybody's cheering. They, man, listen, That's you're the ba- as a basketball player, you, they cheer when you miss a free throw. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, do, do, do better next time. Hey, no problem. Don't worry about it. You got this, right? Mm, Even wow. if you fail, your failure is not final when you're at home. Wow. Ooh, wait. Don't miss that. When you're at home, your failure is not final. Even if you miss the shot, you, I, I don't believe that you'll miss every shot. Shoot again. Keep trying. You can do it. That's what you get at home. Now, when you're away from home, they boo, they heckle, they try to you know demean you so that you'll stop doing what you have the potential, the power, and the talent to do. Because they don't want you to perform to, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so what happens is that when boys are younger, unbeknownst to their mothers, they get cheered when they're little boys and they begin to walk. Look at little Johnny, mommy's little man, right? Mm. Oh, he, he took out the trash all by himself. Applause, applause, applause. Mommy's little man, look, hey y'all look, look at little Johnny, watch him do this, such and such and such. Look at what he created, look at what he did. Oh, he had mommy with the groceries. Look, he's got two bags in his hand, right? Cheer, 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 cheer. Then it shifts from applause to expectation and obligation. But he doesn't understand why are you no longer affirming me for what I'm doing? Why are you no longer applauding? I don't understand. And so then he's yearning. So then what happens is he becomes performance-based. I want to do more because I need the affirmation. He doesn't know what it is. He doesn't understand. Right? And so then you grow up into a man and you're trying to be CEO when maybe you need to start, you know what I mean? You're trying to chase after something so that like you and I, we're trying to get the affirmation. Hey, if I become, if I go to college, if I get a scholarship, if I'm on the TV, if I'm on the new, in the newspaper, maybe dad will say, I'm proud of you. Maybe dad, you know, maybe he'll affirm me. And that, that I was going to say this earlier, the three things you need, you need, and I love you from somebody who means it. You need, and I'm proud of you. And you need somebody to recognize what you're good at, right? So I love you. I'm proud of you, right? And then you, I see, man, I see you, you are good at X, Y, Z. What does that last statement mean? That means I'm paying enough attention to you to see where your gifts and your talents and your skills are at. 
Let me pour into that. Because if that's how you're wired, then that's what your contribution to the world is. Now, if you are everything you are meant to be, we're all better. So the reason why I would speak to my boys and use those terms and those names when I would talk to them is because if they are everything they are gifted and talented to become, then we're all better. You know what I mean? We're better. Uh, man, that is so good. Even the three things that you mentioned that a boy needs, you know, I think about the child, the 10, uh, the 10 emotional childhood needs, especially for the boy. He needs acceptance. Yeah. He needs approval and he needs acknowledgement. I love you. I mean, it's like going through those three things. They're so important, but I just, I wanted to, um, I just, I, I mean, literally from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for coming on and, and talking to talking to me and, and talking to the people as well. I want to, um, appreciate the work that you are doing for men. I want to appreciate the space that you are creating for men. And I want to appreciate the sacrifice that you are making so that men can be better because we need it. Um, but lastly, I, I want, if you could provide for the people, how they could get in contact with you, um, you know, what your, what, what's your business contact, all that kind of stuff. So we can make sure <clears throat> that everybody who's listening here can, can, uh, can, can get connected to you. How can they do that? Okay. First of all, hey, thank you so much for the opportunity to to be on this show, man. I, I think you um, creating a space for people to be nourished um, is beyond uh, any level of importance that I can put into words. Uh, it, it's it's critical. It's paramount. And so I, I just applaud you for doing this, man, um, and giving the opportunity to encourage and to affirm some folks. Um, so how they can get in contact with me. Um, so I, I, my name is Chris Davis and so you can find me on Facebook. Um, my, uh, I'm on Instagram, uh, underscore the lion heart, the number one underscore. Um, listen, if you need to email me because something you've heard, you want me to dig a little deeper with you. I'm willing to do that. I'm a life coach. Um, you can email me at Chris C H R I S at the lion heart dot us all one word uh t-h-e-l-i-o-n-h-e-a-r-t dot u-s um so those are the ways they can ca catch up with me man there's some other things that me uh you know my my, my beautiful bride that we're going to be doing in terms of coaching like couples and, and that mm. kind of thing because i really want to pour into couples and like you said help help wives understand the heart of their husbands and and how their hearts beat um, to provide some health in relationships. Um, so those are ways in company. I, I hope, and I just want to throw this out there. I, I hope that you and your wife consider hosting marriage retreats. Um, yeah. there's just not enough of them out there. You know, my wife and I, we've been hosting marriage retreats for over a decade now. Mm. And the sad part is, is that there's just not enough of them out there for people. Wow. And I mean, getting, I mean, it's cool to be able to have a conference or have a convention. We we've done the wow. marriage conferences and stuff. But it's something about going to a resort that is secluded away from where from from their normal life and then being able to to have the husband and wife to sit down together to both learn, but then to be able to go off and be able to have some sort of vacation is so needed. So I, I hope you and your wife, you guys consider doing that in the future. It's just yeah. it, it's so needed. We need more spaces out there. But Mr. Davis, <laughs> as you as you will call your sons, I wanna I wanna make sure I give you that same respect. Again, I appreciate you being here with us. To everybody who's out there who's who's watching, who uh, who's paying attention, make sure that you get in contact with him. Again, his uh, email address is Chris C H R I S uh, at the Lionheart. Dot us make sure you contact him if he's on facebook all that stuff make sure you contact him and, and make sure that you stay locked in make sure you subscribe share this with your family your friends share it with that single mom that you know who's been complaining about our boys share it with the wife that you know that's been complaining about our husband share it with the brothers that you know who may want to listen to this in silence uh, and not tell you that they actually they actually listen to it because i know sometimes our pride as men can get in the way god bless y'all thank y'all so much for tuning in Remember, we drop an episode every Friday. So uh, keep kicking it with us. Introduces, we out. Appreciate y'all. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.